Our text today comes from the book of Exodus. Yes, again, chapter 14, verses 13 through 31. But Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you have only to keep still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israelites to go forward, but lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it that the Israelites may go into the sea on dry ground. Then I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And so I will gain glory for myself over Pharaoh and all his army, his chariots and his chariot drivers. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained glory for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots and his chariot drivers. The angel of the Lord, who was going before the Israelite army, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and took its place behind them. It came between the army of Egypt and the army of Israel. And so the cloud was there with the darkness and it lit up the night. One did not come near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove back the sea by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. The Israelites went into the sea on dry ground, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went into the sea after them, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and chariot drivers. At the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and cloud looked down upon the Egyptian army and threw the Egyptian army into panic. He clogged their chariot wheels so that they turned with difficulty. The Egyptians said, let us flee from the Israelites for the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and chariot drivers. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at dawn the sea returned to its normal depth. As the Egyptians fled before it, the Lord tossed the Egyptians into the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the chariot drivers. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea, not one of them remained. But the Israelites walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great work of the Lord against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. This is the word of God for the people of God. That's a hard thanks be to God sometimes. For the last couple of weeks, we have trekked through the Exodus experience. Two weeks ago, we were with Moses when he met the God of his ancestors, who told Moses he would come before Pharaoh and demand his people's freedom. We talked about how Eya Asher Eya speaks of the God who was, and the God who is, and the God who will be, the God who causes things to come to pass. Last week, we walked with Moses and Aaron as they came before Pharaoh, and one by one, the plagues were unleashed upon Egypt. This culminated, of course, in the 10th plague, the death of the Egyptian firstborns. 
In the middle of this narrative of loss and destruction, God gives the Israelites a wartime liturgy, commanding them to rejoice in the freedom they have not yet tasted. We talked about being ready to confront tyranny and oppression wherever we find it. For God hates subjugation and loves freedom. This week's text comes after the firstborn males of the Egyptian children and cattle have died, and Pharaoh has summoned Moses and Aaron in the middle of the night. Pharaoh says, rise up, go away from my people, both you and the Israelites. Go worship the Lord as you said. Take your flocks and your herds as you said and be gone. And bring a blessing on me too. That's gutsy. So then the Egyptians surrounded the Israelites and urged them to go before further calamity befell them, which is to say the Egyptians. Because the people had prepared as Moses told them to, they were able to take their leave from Egypt right away and head into the wilderness. I find this so lovely. Chapter 13, verse 42. This was for the Lord a night of vigil to bring them out of the land of Egypt. That same night is a vigil to be kept for the Lord by all the Israelites throughout their generation. Essentially, God stayed up all night like a concerned parent. And so to commemorate God's actions in bringing the people to freedom, the Israelites are told to celebrate the Passover feast each year on that day. The rest of chapter 12 and almost all of chapter 13 lay out the particulars of how the feast is to be celebrated. The end of chapter 13 is quite remarkable and something we don't see often in the biblical canon, which is to say the reader is let in on God's own thoughts. The text says that God did not lead the people out in the direction of the Philistines because if they walked out of slavery and directly into a war, they might prefer to return to slavery. So God takes them by the roundabout way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. God led them by a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night so they could travel any time they needed to do so. But just when we start to settle into the idea that the Israelites have been released from bondage by God's mighty hand and outstretched arm, God tells Moses Pharaoh has changed his mind and will pursue them. And that is indeed what happens. Pharaoh sends 600 chariots and chariot drivers in pursuit of the Israelites and overtakes them as they camp by the sea. Again, the people complain to Moses saying, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? And this is where we enter today's text. Moses speaks to the people in God's presence saying, do not be afraid, stand firm. And see the deliverance the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to keep still. I think there are times in our lives when we are called to act, for it is our action that makes a difference so often. But here, caught between a sea and an advancing army, when it seems like there is no possible means of survival and no possibility of rescue, it is in that place where the only thing we can do is trust that the God who has brought us this far will yet again fight on our behalf. To be still in this context is not simple inertia. It is not mere inaction. It is to know the very real dangers that befall you and choose to trust in the goodness and justice of God anyway. 
once again, we see that God comes through to protect God's people. The cloud that previously went before them now becomes their vanguard. It stands between the two nations that night so that neither approaches the other in an act of war. And now we come to one of the most vivid and famous texts of all the Hebrew Bible. Slavery's violent end is coming. This text is hard to hear and perhaps harder yet to preach. I hope we don't let its familiarity blot out its horror. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove back the sea by a strong east wind all night, and the sea turned into dry land, and the waters were divided. The Israelites went into the sea on dry ground, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went into the sea after them, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and chariot drivers. At the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and cloud looked down upon the Egyptian army and threw the Egyptian army into panic. He clogged their chariot wheels so that they turned with difficulty. The Egyptians said, let us flee from the Israelites, for the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Anathea Portier Young writes, chariots, technologies of conquest, and visible signs of royal power and status become a trap for Pharaoh and his armies. When God rearranges sea and land, the Egyptians think to pursue their former slaves. But as they enter between the walls of water, the gaze of God creates panic among them. Their chariot wheels turn out and they cannot retreat. At dawn, the waters return and as the Egyptians flee, God hurls them into the water. When the Israelites have crossed to safety, they see the bodies of their former masters cast dead upon the shore. Moses held his arms out over the sea all night as the Israelites passed through. God threw the Egyptians into the sea and the waters covered them over. Every single Egyptian perished. The end of Pharaoh's hard-heartedness, the end of an economy built upon forced labor, exploitation, and domination is the loss of Pharaoh's own countrymen. When Martin Luther King Jr. preached this text, the sermon was called The Death of Evil Upon the Seashore. In this cosmic battle between Israel's God and Pharaoh, I Am emerges victorious. But the death of tyranny comes at a high cost. The Egyptians suffered greatly, even desperately, for their leader's hard-heartedness. In the end, they too begged to be delivered from Pharaoh's decisions. In God's economy, people are always more important than systems. And anything less than full protection of God's beloved is to side with the oppressor against the Holy One. The priority of I am is not maintaining a status quo that is comfortable for the few to the affliction of the many. We see that where tyranny rules, the mighty hand and outstretched arm of the Lord seeks to free people from its grip. In the end, everyone, including Pharaoh himself, suffered for his actions against the Israelites. And while this example is perhaps easier to witness because it is so familiar as to bore us, let us not forget the devastation that lay behind. The mothers grieving their sons, the economic ruin of losing crops and livestock and labor. If only Egypt had treated its people fairly from the first. If only Pharaoh had changed course when confronted with his behavior. If only others with power in his government had spoken up. 
if only. When freedom's cry goes unheard, the din will only rise until liberty is won. And though this text is rife with military imagery, we would be remiss if we did not also take note of its creation imagery. In Genesis, God is present as the spirit that blows over the face of the deep. God creates light to contrast the darkness. God divides the water from the dry land and sets each at its boundary. Here in Exodus, God recreates in much the same way. God blows back the waters of the sea and reveals dry land. The cloud of presence turns into fire, again cleaving the darkness with light. Symbolically, God creates again from the earliest beginning of the text to now. In so doing, God recreates a people, reforms them in their purpose, and reshapes a nation. This portion of the text closes with the following postscript. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great work that the Lord did against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord and believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Israel saw themselves as having been delivered from the hand of the oppressor and into the care of a God who was present with them, believing in both the God called I Am and Moses as God's servant. This is indeed the God who was and the God who is and the God who will be for all generations. This is indeed the God who causes things to come to pass. Yes, these are hard times. Yes, sometimes we feel hopeless to stand against the waters that seek to overtake us. But there is hope in the God who delivered the Israelites from the hand of a tyrant. There is hope in the God who makes a nation out of a people who left slavery with nothing more than that which they could carry. And there is hope in the God who wants to reshape us into a more just and loving society. As we walk through these days, let us be watchful for the presence of God in all things, from the burning bush to freedom's cry. Let us be ready to confront tyranny and subjugation of God's beloved wherever we see it. And let us keep our eyes on the ways we may be recreated, reformed, and reshaped into the image of God. Amen.